Some of you people don't care a bit about my feelings. You come, you eat, you hear Art talk about resurrection, and then you go home. Three couples have gone home and have not hung around to hear Pastor Don. I know who they are, and I will get them. Makes for a long morning, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's, uh, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 23 and verse 50, and then moving through the first 12 verses of 24. But we pick up the life of Jesus this morning right after he has gone through what we would call a mockery of a trial. Pilate, Rome's man of authority in Judea, he has tried to set Jesus free. Three times Pilate has said, I find no fault in this man. Of course, this doesn't satisfy the bloodthirsty mob of the Jewish elders. They're determined that Jesus must die, and they cry out for Jesus to be crucified. And finally, Pilate succumbs to the political pressure of these Jews. Pilate relents, and he gives Jesus the sentence of death by crucifixion. And this all happens on a Friday. And it happens that Jesus is laid in the grave right before sundown or right before Sabbath begins. While Jesus was on the cross, though, we heard several of his sayings, which are all profound. But one of his sayings was, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, Jesus then breathes his last and dies. Now, we have a group of women, a group of disciples of Jesus who follow him, and they're watching all of this trial, all of the crucifixion, all of these proceedings, and they're watching them from a distance. So we will look at that shortly. But let's pick it up in Luke 23, verse 50, and we'll go through of the end of the chapter there. Now behold... There was a man named Joseph, a council member, council member of the Sanhedrin, a good and just man. And he had not consented to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was a preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared, prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. <clears throat> Joseph of Arimathea. Scripture tells us that he was a just man. Church history has a little more to say about uh, Joseph of Arimathea, and several legends surround him and are associated with him. One of the stories, and I emphasize stories, was that Joseph took Jesus' 
chalice from the Last Supper, took it to Great Britain, and this is where the first church of England was born. Another story tells us that Joseph died as a pauper. He died as a poor man from his association with the dead body of Jesus. Uh, it Legend tells us that Joseph was excommunicated from the Sanhedrin. And that was where not only the religious affairs took place, but the business dealings of day-to-day life went on there. And no council member then would have anything to do with Joseph because he had associated himself with the body of Jesus. And they looked upon Joseph as a traitor. But to Joseph's credit, and the reason we honor Joseph here this morning is he cannot allow the body of Jesus to suffer the indignation of being devoured by animals because that's what would have happened if they would have not allowed Joseph to take the body down and bury it. And vultures and dogs would ravish these dead bodies and eat them. And Rome never bothered to bury their crucified victims. They allowed these bodies to decay, to rot, and be eaten by animals, and it was a vivid reminder of their authority. And for Joseph to go and ask Pilate for the body was a very courageous thing for him to do. But the crucifixion was Rome's way of ridding itself of troublemakers in their kingdom. They got rid of many criminals and they got rid of many innocent people, but they kept a tight lid on their subjects. Capital punishment by crucifixion was definitely a deterrent to crime. All you had to do is ask anyone that ever viewed a crucifixion. Ask anyone that had ever seen Rome crucify even one man. And Rome was notorious for crucifying hundreds. But for anyone to witness a human body being devoured by animals... That was the very image that Rome wanted to leave in your mind. This is what we do to people that we consider criminals or those of insurrection. The Rome that is glorified today was not such a a pretty Rome. Their peace Romana was extremely brutal but it was effective. And Joseph of Arimathea, he's a just man. He takes down the body of Jesus. He wraps it in linen cloths, and he lays Jesus in a brand new tomb. And this was Joseph's own personal tomb. And the tombs that they uh, would hew out of the rock were usually large enough to hold several bodies. The women that followed Jesus, and some of those women that actually ministered to Jesus, they observe what Joseph has done. And they go back to their houses, back to their homes, and they prepare spices and fragrant oils 
and they want to give Jesus a proper burial come Sunday morning. Outwardly, these women are obedient to the law of no labor on the Sabbath, for they fear the Jewish elders. They fear the Jewish uh, hierarchy, the, the leaders, the elders, the priests, and so forth. But within the confines of their own home, they're preparing oils and spices for Jesus' burial. So outwardly, they're obeying the Sabbath laws, but inwardly, they're not. So let's pick it up now in Luke 24, and we'll read 12 verses. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, many of Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. These women, they go to the tomb early on a Sunday morning, and they find the stone is rolled away. Now, consider why is the stone rolled away? The stone is rolled away so the world can see that the tomb is empty. Jesus has already risen. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away for him to rise. But this is simply a proof by our Lord for anyone that wants to look into this tomb for a body that isn't there. The women do find two angels there, and these angels are dressed in shining garments. And these angels ask the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? That's a good question. It's a rhetorical question because the angels are going to answer that. But it's a question that the angels want these women to ponder over in their mind, want them to consider why are you seeking the living among the dead? Personally, I think the shining garments that are worn by the angels simply give this, these women a clue that these are angels. The women instantly bow down to the ground before these angels and then the angels answered their own question. 
For Jesus is not here. He is risen. As a Christian, we will take more abuse, more skepticism, you might say, on the resurrection of Jesus than on any other subject in all of Christianity. That is, seems to be the hurdle that men cannot get over, is the resurrection of Jesus. Why do you think that is? Because all of Christianity hinges upon Jesus being resurrected. If he is not resurrected, all of our beliefs are of no importance. They really aren't. Everything about Christianity hinges upon Jesus rising from the dead. Consider for a moment what these women, the followers of Christ, consider what they've seen our Lord go through. They have seen Jesus beaten. They have seen him mocked. They've heard the blasphemies. And finally, they have seen Jesus nailed to a Roman cross. They have heard Jesus declare on the cross, it is finished. They have seen the Roman soldiers that pierced the heart of Jesus with a spear, making sure that Jesus was dead. And now they're at the tomb, and the angel asked them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? And these words, these words by these angels, He is not here, He is risen, that challenges these women to their very core. It strikes them deep as you can be struck, it is down to the basics. And these women find it difficult to believe that Jesus is risen because it's just simply too good to be true. You ever been caught there? I think it's human nature for us to reject news that we consider too good to be true. We say things like, oh, come on. Or I can't really believe what I'm hearing. Or we might say, really? <laughs> and it's like we're afraid to believe good news. And the better the news, the more difficult it is for us to believe it. Now, I tried to find an example of this. And I think I came up with one. Chayati received a full ride scholarship to Auburn. Neil, Neil and Kim, they were happy and they were proud of their son. Sorta quick to believe this. Sorta quick to believe this good news. But you ask Kyle, you ask Quinn, you ask Pastor Don. And we said things like, oh, come on. <laughs> we can't really believe what you're saying. Really? <laughs> Sorry, Che. Had to find an example, man. 
And David, don't you laugh too hard. You know, the same applies. <laughs> same, same over there, son. <laughs> or you might say, wow, I won the Reader's Digest sweepstake. I win a million dollars a year for life or something. That would be too good to be true, right? And sometimes we find it hard to believe. Very, very good news. But back to the angels and their shiny garments. And they have told the women, remember. Think back, ladies, remember. Remember how Jesus told you he must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified and the third day rise again. And Jesus said this not once or twice, but on several occasions. And he spoke plainly, Jesus did, about his death and his resurrection. Luke 9:44 speaks of this. Luke 11:29 through 30 speaks of this. Let me read you Luke 18, 31 through 33. Then he took the 12 aside and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. And they will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Jesus has plainly told his followers what's going to happen. He's been faithful to tell his followers, his disciples, of how he must suffer, how he must die, and that he will rise again. And he must be delivered over into the hands of of the Gentiles. Now to a Jew that was a fate that was not very desirable. For a Gentile was considered unclean in all ways. And Jesus spoke of the mockings, the insults, and even being spit upon. And we can read through that little list almost casually if we aren't careful. But have you ever been mocked in front of a crowd that's humiliating to say the least have you ever had someone spit in your face the ultimate insult and then we read of Jesus' arrest in Gethsemane and we understand all these insults that were thrown upon Jesus they could have been avoided by Jesus he did not have to suffer them. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter has brought a sword, and he wants to fight. And we know he cuts off the ear of uh, Malchus, the servant. And Jesus, of course, heals him. And Jesus tells Peter, put away your sword. And then Jesus says, do you not know I could pray to my father, and he would send more than 12 legions of angels. That's about 60,000 troops. That's quite a few, by the way. Angels who in a moment of time could slaughter all of these temple guards that are there to arrest Jesus. But our Lord Jesus, he has chosen to suffer the insults. He's chosen to allow evil men to scourge him 
and nail him to a cross. And we have these women that are witness to this. They're watching. We have Jesus' disciples who are watching these events. And not only that, all of heaven is watching these events. These legions of angels are wondering why does our Lord suffer at the hands of evil men? Why does he allow evil men to hurl all these abuses upon him? And then we read First Peter. I think it's around verse 10. That the salvation of man was a matter angels desired to look into. To me, that is simply saying the angels in heaven are puzzled. They're perplexed. They're dumbfounded at what Jesus will go through for our salvation as human beings. That their Lord Jesus, these angels look upon Jesus as Almighty God, no question about it. And He, Almighty God, is willing to suffer at the hands of evil men. For sinners like you and I. And Jesus, true to his nature, he's been faithful to foretell of his sufferings, all the sufferings of the cross and his trial and everything. He has spoke of his death and that on the third day he would rise again. And it says, and when the women remember these words, and when they remembered, it's like a light bulb of their faith turns on and they remember and they believe. These women then, they have to share this good news of the resurrection and they run to the 11 disciples. The disciples, they can't accept it. It's too good of news, you know. And they're unable to believe this good news. And it says, and they looked upon the words of the women as idle tales or fantasies or come on ladies and <laughs> deal in reality here or ladies it's just too good to be true then Peter and John both run to the tomb and they find the burial linens there the cloths lying there and they marvel they're marveling now they're believing and they believe in the resurrection. I think it's safe to say all of Christianity marvels with the disciples and these women about the empty tomb. And Jesus, he will make several more physical appearances to the disciples and to others before he ascends to the Father. In our scripture reading in 1 Corinthians 15, we read where Jesus appeared over to 500 people at one time. So there's much proof of Jesus' resurrection. So the great question that faces all of humanity, and it's brought to, to a point here on Easter morning, do you and I believe in the resurrection? There's the question. Do we believe in the resurrection? For with the resurrection, 
comes salvation and eternal life. All a person has to do to receive eternal life is truly believe in the resurrected Jesus. Believing in Jesus to the point of letting it affect your life. That Jesus suffered the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And that he defeated sin and death by rising the third day. He is risen. Indeed he has. Now, if you would like, <clears throat> we're going to tr start trying to implement a little prayer time in our service. And w we have people that got a prayer badge on. <laughs> if you would like prayer on any issue, maybe you need somebody to agree with you in prayer about a healing or salvation or anything, provisions from God, find one of these people that have a prayer badge on and agree with them in prayer. I think it's critical that we pray with one another. Agree with someone in prayer over any issue that you may have. Let me get you to stand, and we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for all your power and strength in raising Jesus from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for overcoming sin and death. We have eternity with you as our hope, Lord, because of your resurrection. And we thank you for that. So this day, this Easter day, Lord, we pray that you would make resurrection real in our hearts and that we would just uh, be grateful and thankful for your goodness to us and for giving us hope, Lord. The hope that this world does not have apart from you. Thank you again for saving us and raising yourself from the grave. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this Easter Sunday, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <clears throat>